Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Well, welcome back to KSL News Radio and Live Mike. I'm Jason Perry, and I'm joined today by Morgan Lyoncotti. We're with the Hinckley Institute of Politics, and we're so glad to spend the afternoon with all of you. Uh, before we get to our, our next guest, I want to make sure you all know that we do want to hear from you. So if you'd like to weigh in on the conversation, please do so for, through the Utah Community Credit uh, Union text line at 57500. We do want to hear from you and want to hear your questions. Our next guest uh, is known throughout the state, uh, such a great economist, but also the associate dean in the David Eccles School of Business and also the director of the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah. We're so happy to have Natalie Gochner here with us today. Natalie, thanks for joining us. Hi, Jason. Hi, Morgan. Nice to hear you. Well, we're so glad to have you, uh, Natalie, and I know you're doing so much for the state and you're watching the economy so closely. I hope you don't mind for just a minute, but uh, I can't help but notice that yesterday was tax day, right? Everyone got their taxes in, the, the, new, the new day. But this is so important to us, too, because I know the legislators are talking to you about what these tax returns mean for the state budget. And even right now, we've just been waiting to see what the impact has been on the, uh, from the pandemic on the state and on the tax returns. Give us a little, a little view of what you're seeing and some of the potential impacts coming down the road. Well, there's just no question that this COVID-19 has been, I'm using a strong term, but an economic body blow. Okay, it was sudden, it was severe, it's been uneven, it's a shock to our system, and there's a significant loss of opportunity and confidence, and it it ripples through and definitely affects the state budget. But the good news is that Utah has much less relative economic damage, you know, compared to other states, and this gives us an an advantage right now, meaning we've had smaller budget reductions but it also gives us an advantage in the future because, as you know, Jason and Morgan, we were able to still invest in education and, you know, fund growth and do the things that we need to do to keep our state prosperous over the long term. What were some of those reasons why our, the impact on us was, a little, was less than what we're seeing in some parts of the country? You know, I would put at the top of the list that we entered uh, the crisis very well positioned. Uh, we had the lowest unemployment rate in our state's history going into this. Then you couple that with a very diverse economy, and then I think very uh, significant state leadership, a lot of collaboration, a lot of um, quick action. I mean, our state had a published economic and health response plan, a published plan by March 24th, and that was really early in the crisis. So the state has uh, been very thoughtful in its response, and I think the public has, uh, you know, done the things that the public needs to do. But let's be clear, we still have urgent challenges facing our state. Natalie, well, first of all, it's always fun to hear you talk about economics because you can, for our listeners that may not know, you're also a communications expert. So you're sort of that perfect storm of someone who can geek out and really tell us about what's going on, but you can actually use the words that most of us can understand, which we appreciate. Um, Thanks, Morgan. 
so I want to maybe get a little more specific about the healthcare system. I know this is a conversation you've been having and wanting the to the community to know, but what are some of the long term effects um, to our healthcare system, especially economically, um, and just that long term success of the healthcare system in Utah? Mm-hmm. Well, you'll hear about uh, people talk about uh, COVID nineteen on our overall well being not just case counts, not just people that are having to go to the hospital to recover and certainly the very tragic deaths that have occurred. But when you look at the well-being of the community or of the whole person, then all of a sudden you have to think about what's happening. Our, you know, our, our kids aren't getting the education that they should. And what's happening in housing? Uh, what's happening with preventative care, whether it's primary care visits, whether it's screenings, you know, elective procedures? And then you go all the way down to how does this affect our uh, emotional health, um, our behavioral health. Uh, social isolation is certainly not a good thing. And um, I'm sure you and Jason think about how it affects uh, political engagement um, and the like. And so when you look at COVID-19, you have to not just look at the health, uh, not just look at the economic, but look at the very broad what people would usually call social determinants of health impacts of such a tragic pandemic. Now, one of the things we've been watching closely, uh, Natalie, is sort of the the stimulus packages coming out of Washington, D.C., some of the aid. uh, Some of that, the terminology is changing from stimulus uh, to to aid, uh, to relief. That seems to be the the word that's coming out of Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, How is that how is that working throughout the state? Some of those the funds were intended to to kind of stimulate the economy, the funds that were intended to get to some part of the the state, uh, the, the state, the businesses, which were truly for some relief from what's happened. Right. Well, Jason, it won't surprise you that I look at this through an economist lens. And what I see is uh, the very troubling reality that we have to borrow money to provide this aid, this assistance, this stimulus. But the more troubling reality that if we don't do it, then businesses and lives, uh, you know, households are shattered and it's it's very difficult to recover. And so um, I think it's wise that our leaders are talking about another stimulus. Uh, I don't know how you're reading the political tea leaves, but I, I think it needs to happen. And it's just a question of how much and how is it directed. And I'm expecting them to direct, uh, you know, some money to state and local governments, uh, some money to, you know, aid to families for food, housing, you know, whatever kind of security needs there are, economic security needs. That can come through unemployment insurance and, and you know, health care insurance. And then, uh, and then also some help for our health care system. And in my line of reasoning, I think it's going to be a trillion and a half, uh, upwards of two trillion dollars of additional stimulus. That's that's hard to even comprehend. <laughs> it is, and it it just it, let's just put a number to it. The last the, the accumulation of the stimulus we've received from the federal government to date is about thirteen percent of our gross domestic product in the country. That's a big number. What I just said, the $1.6 trillion, that would be like another 6% of GDP. And so overall, we'd be looking at almost 20% of GDP being doled out at a time we're in, we're in a national economic and health crisis. But if you don't do it, it's even worse. I, Natalie, I really liked what you were your, – uh your example of a body blow and saying that this is uneven. I know that you like to talk about political headwinds and tailwinds. So tell us what aspects of the economy are you looking at that are maybe 
that maybe elements that haven't been hit as hard um, by the pandemic and maybe things that are giving us insight of, um, as to how we can move forward? Mm-hmm. Well, for listeners, uh, tomorrow the state's new job report will come out, so we're all watching for that. I'm expecting our unemployment rate to drop again. It's at 8.5% right now. I think it'll be uh, a bit lower. And, uh, you know, the most hard hit have been the leisure and hospitality industry, um, the, the industry that has been the least hit and is actually still growing is the construction industry. So, you know, it's a mix of, of good and bad news. But here's the, here's the thing that I think is important for listeners to know. Our state does have a plan, and it was played out in the legislative session that we had and, and in future legislative sessions. The state is trying to get furloughed workers back to work. They're connecting people with the over 20,000 available jobs that are actually still available in our economy. And then they're using CARES Act assistance or this federal stimulus money to target uh, aid to industries in in need. And then one final point, uh, the state is certainly looking to invest in infrastructure and in the rapid reskilling and upskilling of workers. These are people that have lost their jobs and have no place to go. We need to get them retrained or we need to have uh, construction uh, activity happening, which is stimulative to our economy. Of all these great ideas that you've just mentioned, Natalie, these, these just great insights about how to jumpstart the economy, uh, what are we going to see in the special session that's going to happen next month to get to some of these key points? Yeah. You know, Jason, you and I could could sidebar about that because you know a lot as well. But what I'm expecting and when I interact with state leaders, I think we've got about $2 billion in bonding capacity that we could put to work. We could invest in transportation, transit, uh, outdoor recreation, water, broadband, even housing. And so I think to the degree that these are investments that we need that will help us over the long term, and we've got very low interest rates and the ability to go bond, that's a good thing for us right now. So I expect uh, the state to look at that, and this is in fact in the Utah Leads Together Volume 4 plan. So this is what the state has said they're going to do. And then in the education realm, they'll be looking at credentials, certificates, and one-year graduate programs. So these are rapid things they can do to retrain people, get them back to work, and help us get through this very difficult time. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. We appreciate all you're doing to help guide the state of Utah and your brilliant insights, as always. Thanks so much, uh, Morgan and Jason. Take good care. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Live Mike. It's been great to have you with us, along with co-host Morgan Lyoncotti.